My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Poem. Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never crossed into I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the industrial revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. No the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. This week's podcast was recorded on December 12th of 2000. We had a really eclectic opening mic. James Dixon, Aaron Fleck, Dawn Saylor, Andrew Bird, Aaron Cantrell, and a few more. Our feature performer is Kalamazoo singer-songwriter Bridget McCarthy. Very talented. A little bit lit. I think you'll enjoy it. Creative and inspired, I feel energy waiting to be break free, yet contained by restraints I can't quite identify. On the edge, waiting to, waiting to go, but I've got too much to go through. Afraid of reminding me of what was learning to be me. What a concept, walking along blindly, thinking the view was clear, when all along there was an eclipse of the mind, preventing my soul from breaking free. You used to envy me from afar. I perpetuated the fantasy you wanted to see. Now you fear me. I no longer make sense. I no longer fit the mold. Social construction dictates your life, defines what must be, what must be wrong and what is definitely right. I'm just trying to break free, learning to be me. What a concept. I walk, I walk along blindly. This is a new one, uh, written after a reunion with one of my oldest female friends. It's called Prodigies. We made perfect sense, and you knew it. You knew it at 13, our first co-ed slumber party, hardwired on sugar and pubescent mystique, smelling the blood of parental naivete in the still night water. You found me for your back rub, and I found the clumsy panic of trying to unhinge a training bra in the dark with baby fingers and everything on the line. We made perfect sense, and I knew it. I knew it when you wore that orange suede miniskirt to freshman English, raising dress codes and male focus, helping me study inner thigh in the back row. Four dilated eyes fixated on a blackboard sparking asterisks. You taught me that poetry cannot write off blue balls. <laughs> Still, my judgment was green and supple, bending toward the 
blonde energy of the upper class Isis when she descended to my basement locker to reinvent social canon and discuss Elliot or the immaturity of senior boys. And you outgrew perfect before your time, punching the clock on a decade of labored pattern with someone who preferred end zone lime on thigh pad to orange suede on thigh while I spun full circle years exorcising ideal demons. Last summer you sent your first CD and I listened to your true voice with the tinfoil taste of loss in open mouth. Tonight at dinner we threw 1987 on the table, finding it somehow easier to swallow as you crossed your legs at me and the faux red leather pants fringed with feminine sway as I smoothed familiar wrinkles from a yellowing school stage photo, me looking at you and you looking at the world in our first front page moment. Tonight, as we drank alone again with easy accuracy, after 13 years of serial monogamy and swelling bias, after finding the same limitations in different places, I realized I was twice as smart at half my age. When you woke your live-in boyfriend half blitzed at 1 a.m., he snapped off your bra with one hand and asked the perfect question. What were you doing all night? Falling in love? And you slipped away into warm covers, into warm arms, into careful truth. As I slipped up my parents' icy driveway, pouring loud heat into yet another gaping November night, tracing orange suede against the grain, and feeling you whisper, not enough to matter, as my will-o'-wisp fire dimmed behind your eyes, quenching in a cool, perfect sense of good enough. the bathtub and face your muse. You see, I've been wondering for days how I got here. I feel like an eight-track tape stuck in a loop and I feel the earth move like an eight-track tape stuck in a loop and I feel the earth move onto my feet. But I'm living in perpetual motion because it's a, another deja vu day with customers and saints. There are worries, flat tires and cigarette fires, CNN and we still have no president. There's sexual harassment at the gas station. He's a real smooth talker drunk at 3 a.m. and me wasting my best memories on acid trips. These days are slipping out of my grasp, but I remember a five-year-old child with a rainbow smile, and I wonder when I lost my faith. I still want to be clapping my hands for Tinkerbell. She'd fly again, leaving pixie trails across my prayers. I want to see my parents with wide-eyed innocence, believing the world is good and kind. But they say that three elderly people were beaten to death 20 minutes from where I live, and now their white picket is crisscrossed by yellow tape abandoned. They say there's another war that doesn't concern me, but there's another child dying, another mother, another mother crying, another siren wailing in the distance to remind me of my mortality. I feel my will to fight for my dreams diminishing just a little bit more every day. 
But what if it ended tomorrow? If the tapestry fell and fractions of my life flipped before my eyes like a whipping wind dripping the pages, what pictures would play across my mind? When I kissed my first boyfriend in the peach satin dress my mom made? Or my first solo when I played Mary in the Christmas musical? Will I remember standing outside Grace Bland disbelieving we'd made it? Or the beautiful red-headed boy who made me a spatula out of a Budweiser can? Or maybe when we were all together wrapped in green velvet starshine, singing Bob Dylan and, flip and floating in the ripple of our own fantasy. I hope I recall the moment we realized we still loved each other, because I want to believe this time it's real. Because a minute moves quicker and snowballs faster, taking hours into days away from fingertips. And amidst all this, there are revolutions and insurrections while I'm just seeking redemption from the hands of serenity. Because one day you wake up and you realize that all we have is each other. I generate no heat. I can't even find my warm, fitting parts. No infernos in the hearth. My flue is shut, my wood is wet, and so is yours, I see. I thought you'd hug me tight, so much I couldn't breathe. I thought you'd lay on me and hide me from myself, taking me from altar to valley. You didn't. No hugs to fill the hollow. No kisses to make me scream. No laying, no remaining mine, or close, or far. Yet I was warm, because I let you in and you left me bleeding. Let it seep on me and around me to keep me satisfied, to keep me. To fill me up in every way you can, staying like a drug, leaving me wanting more, feeling less, never reaching the place I was looking for. Just wanting you, I watched you, robotically, grab the crystal doorknob, twisting just one more time and leaving me dying. Everybody, um, this poem is actually about a professor and a little bit about John. The title of this piece is called TV, Television, and Tokenisms. Um, I went to visit one of my professors about a year and a half ago, and he wanted me to be in this anthology, not for my work, but for the color of my skin. So this is for him. TV, television, and tokenism. This is a poem, a poem that is life. The poet is the creator of the realm. This is a poem for all those who have been jaded and isolated. The pen and the pad is the only way we felt alleviated to the reds and the yellows, all my poetic fellows, to the poets who have breasts and those who do not or in some way wish they did, the medium of the expression that we late in the abyss of the evening. You know, the one that reminds us of the blues when no one could give us the clues to the answers that we sought. Let us not look at our differences, but our similarities underneath the umbrella of the craft that we call poetry. If this helps you remember, it is harder to shake a hand without a thumb. I have no desire to be your token poet, your only poet to fill your racial quota for your anthologies. Please, please, no apologies are needed. You have 26 black letters to choose from on white eggshell paper, 20 consonants, five vowels, A, E, I, O, and U. Ask me why I don't want to be a black token poet. America has almost ingrained in me that she did not want me or the people of my hue. When I used to wake up early on Saturday mornings as an innocent child, she told me consciously and subconsciously, she whispered to me subliminally, 
I never saw any non-whites on the Flintstones. Yeah, 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 little buddy. Bedrocks is just like the burbs. There are no blacks here. The future looks bright for white Americans. I never saw any minorities on the Jetsons because Rosie did all the cooking and cleaning for you. Yet in reality, USA Today says Mexicans, Americans are quote unquote the fastest growing minority population. Is it time to write a new script? Oh yes, my favorite show, The Super Ethnic Friends, where you had one woman, one Asian, one Native American, and yes, even one black man. The rest were all white males with, who had too much testosterone in their tights. Maybe it should have been called the super CEO friends since you want to be so systematic on superpowers. But you say, what about Fowl Albert? Albert. Hey, 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 we eating chitlins today. You mean the Booker T. Washington show with the only commercial that ran doing that at with cherry flavored Kool-Aid because black kids don't fall down? That's why all band-aids look flesh. Whose flesh? The flesh of my hands, the flesh of the bottoms of my feet. When I used to play with my G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu clip, I wanted to color him brown and have him look at the Confederate flag and give it a flip, shave off his gate, shave off his five o'clock shadow and give him a gold tee just like me. But you want me to be your mandane, your mistral, your black Marian poet. When I used to sit in English class and we discussed your eyes are watching God, the whole class is watching me as though my interpretation, I am the black mentalist, I am the black messiah and my interpretation speaks for a whole generation of blacks that have been trying, coin generation X, not to be confused with Malcolm. Is that why when I walk into class, I hear the Melissa Ether song ringing through my head. I am the only one brattering through my brain shells. I am not your charcoal Charlie poet. And in case you ever wondered, and in case you ever knew, I am just a poet and not your poet, Jigaboo. I was um, hesitant to read tonight because I'm a chicken shit. And the, yeah, major. And then uh, I decided since it's the last sister speak, I would brave myself. Besides, I don't like owing anybody anything. You wouldn't understand that. Don't worry about it. A quiet surprise, a slow progression, an unexpected comfort, and a lingering calm. Letting all of our personal doubts and fears drip away in moments of perfect rhythms of sweet, wet, and warm passion, deep synchronistic waves of slow, raw motion. All of me under you, my knees in your shoulders, my feet tucked beneath your hips, your arms a cage around me, holding all of me, penetrating my body and mine in unison climax. I am loud, calling you with me, my breath trembling. I release my bottom lip from between my teeth in reaction to your mouth, moving slowly from my neck to my lips, begging, yes, I am taken, I am gone. I am with you only in the quiet darkness I see your eyes. I am in them as deep as you are in me. In this moment, moment, I want to stay full and swollen with you, 
arched and aching. I lose the lines drawn around my body. I am melded with the heat, one body, safe, whole, real. This is truth. This is God. This is my favorite me. I sit in a crowded familiar room reading. A shift in me signals you entering. I keep my head down and know it is your hand strong on my shoulder without looking up. I want your fingertips to walk up my neck, lift my chin to a kiss strong, but look you in the eye and smile hello instead. The room collects to a focus. I sit near you without speaking, listening, aware of the space between us. The night unfolds. I move in habitual motion, repeating actions of a hundred similar evenings and watch the clock, wishing I could slow time to nothing. The room is closing down. We leave the doors and go to the next place together. In the company of mutual strangers, I sit on the floor in front of you, leaning my head against your knee, laughing at nothing but everything. Your hand on the crown of my head, smoothing my hair, takes me to the afterplace of our passion. I am back in the stillness where there is no sound, to the darkness behind my eyes where I lay motionless just beginning to emerge again, to notice my breathing, waking myself with a sigh, and then opening my eyes to the shadow of you. I blink myself back to the room we are sitting in, tilt my head to look back at you, hearing only your voice in front of the background saying, it's nice to see you smile. I look away, keeping the smile, thinking, it's nice to be exactly where I am. I walk in and out of days with a fresh motivation to living in each moment, exercising the favorite parts of my mind, producing with dedicated diligence, strong, aware of each piece's order, necessity, and purpose, moving me closer, inching towards revealing my dreams, allowing myself brief interruptions of looking off into nothing, reminiscing the patterns of my breath, smiling with my eyes closed and remembering how a kiss moves through me, realizing I could stay in the darkness forever, feel your expressions through the pores of my skin and make it ours again and again and again. In private moments where I have committed time only to myself behind the doors of my room in a space I have carved out, I lay on my back, staring at the ceiling, seeing the visions of my mind's eye projecting against the unevenly plastered white, re-examining a lifetime while simultaneously feeling content in the present moment. I stick my chin out proud, seeing the cells of myself, seeing the progression of my consciousness, looking at each piece of my life as its own lifetime and realizing right where I am, is exactly where I was trying to be. Finally knowing I am no longer afraid of amazing. Thank you.
guess that's good enough. I once saw an angel locked in chains, bruises on her body from a man obsessed with controlling her, scars on her soul from multiple rapes. I never actually met her, but I watched her for a long time. In a way, I guess I loved her, but I've always been afraid of love, you see. Maybe that's why I didn't try to help her. Didn't try to talk to her when her eyes met in the halls each day. What was strange was that she seemed to know. From the last day our eyes ever met, her eyes told me that she understood and that she forgave me. It was strange, the glance we exchanged that day. Lasted just a little longer than usual. I wanted to run up and hug her, even though I never even knew her name. It was the last time anyone ever saw her. I once knew an angel locked in chains, yet foolishly I remained a silent observer. I'm sorry. It's been a long, a long time coming. Though it seems as though I've stayed away too long. It's been a long, a long time coming. But still I sing this same sad song. Cause standing alone, I was shown my situation. The storm chasing seems out of reach, but it's that of Nathan. Fly a fall in the stranger's eyes, you think I had it all, but you don't know my inner war stories. I hear the call of my past, not far behind. I've fallen from grace, I can't run nowhere to hide like I'm suspended in space deep in this mental prison. I've tried to loosen the bars, I know now why fallen angels tend to envy the stars. Pipe dreams of being something greater tortures the soul. And if all the world's a stage, then what the fuck is my role? Nobody knows, and that's why I'm depressed, it seems. In this life, all I ever really have it's my dreams, they're all I've got to lose. All else is falling away, but at times, even my dreams seem so far and away. I swear there's nothing left. I feel my back to the wall. I've come too far to turn back, but up ahead, I swear there's nothing at all. Chasing the dream that doesn't want to be caught. And with every failed attempt, another part of me's lost. Sometimes I'll stare up at the sky and hate what I see when all the stars in my dreams are there laughing at me. Can, man. I didn't know I was there. I'm too broke to pay attention. I did hear, though, that the recount was in. Dewey did defeat Truman. Dueling poets. <laughs> Two lecterns were set upon the stage. Two poets glowered, eyes filled with rage. They declared the love between them had died. Lecterns now fortresses of wounded pride. She read an essay. She read an she read a free verse about being abused. He read an essay about being used. She quoted a rhyme telling of sex refused. He spouted a blank verse of signals confused. The crowd leaned forward, drinking Colombian mud, souls thirsting for the spilling of poetic blood, thrilling at the sight of these two verbal fighters, revel in the conflict of two heartbroken writers. She poured out ten stanzas about broken dates. He railed five pages about her drunken dates. She made young girls weep at him, leaving her alone. He made young men scowl at her heart made of stone. Across the audience, their anguish did carry an apocalypse of verbal thrust and parry. The coffeehouse coffee owner spouted this verse or that. All is wild in his lap, said an old baseball bat. At first, all, this verse, uh, at first all their verse bespoke great eloquence. 
and their voices took a tone of pure malevolence. The audience sat through verses that made skin crawl as the duel between poets turned into a brawl. He made a snide crack about her rhyme and meter. She quoted a haiku on his shortness of Peter. He fired, a, he fired off a limerick about her baggy tits. She fired back too, calling his friends drunken shits. As your sister's infection cleared up, she said smugly, his face turned red as he, his face turned red as he called her mother ugly. From sonnet to cheap shot, they both tried to score as the duel between poets went from brawl into war. No subject is sacred in a battle of writers from daddy's in jail to mommy's all-nighters. The, <laughs> the coffee house owner prayed it all would cease. He wanted his stage to be left in one piece. The, the cheers and applause just fueled the two's fire, pages flying to and fro of cold night's lost desire. Through the words that... Through the insults that flew about sister and mother, the coffee the owners saw the words float into each other. And though he opted to keep his baseball bat with him, he saw that their battle had begun to show rhythm. Bewildered, he noticed that from time to time their heartbroken invectives had begun to rhyme. Winded and battered, she still glared at her foe. He gave no indication of wanting to slow. He continued his onslaught, praying for his own death, or at least that this woman would run out of breath. They poured out their anguish at silence and lies, and the owner saw a glow show in both poets' eyes. Then their poetry went from crescendo to silence. The owner feared the worst, preparing for violence. The crowd sat stunned in a hurricane's eye, not sure which poet had first started to cry. Had first started to cry. Then she said in a whisper, what else can I do? And he said, I don't know, but I know I still love you. The back row stood up so they would not miss the sight of two poets and a juggernaut kiss. When the owner saw the poet's clothes flying apart, he smiled, saying, now that's performance art. <laughs> Doing poets. I have come to show you where sticks and stones have pierced into my flesh. I have been severed like an evergreen lying limp and abandoned on the side of a city street, showering brittle brown needles onto snow-covered carpet. Words have slipped in through the scars, sturdy and jagged like the stretch marks wrapped around my hip bones, festering for some 365 million hours. My mind left my body behind, ran, rushed, eclipsed Jupiter, sailed all the way out past Pluto's cold blue frozen smile, then whirled back, zoomed past bone bleach moon. My spirit spies on me, hesitating in Earth's cloudy atmosphere, waiting for my call. Spirit, come back to me! My mind voodoo spinning and shaking, burning hotter than mercury as my spirit sparks into Earth's atmosphere, jolting through the crown of my head, pouring a meteor shower of tears, birthing a new river of emotion and expression that had been sealed behind red leather-bound pine cone seeds. And I know that I am no longer susceptible to the sticks, stones, and only words. My body burns bright like an orange neon torch held high, raging across Orion's belt, sailing past Saturn's rivers till a million fireflies explode like an entire galaxy inside my body. I burn brighter than the blue flame of shame, guilt, denier, and or fear. And I know that this freedom from fear is stuck sticky and sweet like the innocence that I've craved for some 365 million hours. And I know that I'm no longer susceptible to the silver blade of an axe. And I know when I come to show my blood to you, 
sensual and soft as a peach, dripping down the pink of my lips, or patient and quiet as a childling on a brick red rooftop waiting for fallen stars. I know that when I come to show my blood to you, pumping like a Polynesian goddess, that I am stronger than kryptonite.
know, poets, is it just me or is it a little more nervous now? Because this is like a real stage as opposed to like over there. I was like over there and like now I'm like nervous, you know? I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out, you know? Move closer and I'll feel more like craft brow. But now I'm on a stage and, and now I'm not on a table like with you guys. And, and it's weird. <laughs> My name is Bridget McCarthy and it's a pleasure. I got, I got called in on this snowy day and um, I'm, you know, I tried to think of some poems to bring for you guys because it was poetry night and you guys were having a special poetry guest. But I didn't have anything new. But I will bring poetry someday. Um, maybe we can look for it in the music. Um, but this is a beautiful night. It's great to be here. And for everybody who bought me these drinks, I hope you're driving me home. <laughs> but they are wonderful. Thank you very, very much. And. Um, before, actually, I have a couple new ones. I have a band now, uh, but they're snowed in in Ostromo, and then they're supposed to try and snow themselves out for Grand Rapids. But um, you have to come back and check them out. They're excellent. But before I get started, Dad, where's Mom? Okay, okay, good, because um, tonight is my mom's birthday. And, woohoo! Yes, yes. We all went out to dinner to Burdick's. It was great. We had sizzling seafood salad. So maybe I'm adjusting to the wine and the seafood and the music, and I'm like, too much, too much. Wonderful. Um, <clears throat> but we'll get that out eventually. Call it a while. <laughs> um, but there's two things. First of all, I'm going to sing her happy birthday, but I actually am going to do something um, really out of the norm that I do musically for her because I've done it since I was in, oh gosh, fourth grade. Um, but first of all, I was wondering if you'd court, you know, sing with me here when we sing happy birthday for my mom. She's over there. She just turned 32. It's pretty amazing. Her son's 34. I don't know how she does it. But uh, <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear mom. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, was, I got Christmas coming up, so I wasn't going to sing that part. Uh, but this song is, is, is for her, because they were wonderful to come out here. Um, it was short notice for me. It was very short notice for them. I couldn't get out of my driveway, so they brought their Suburban so I could do this. Yeah, so um, I decided I would, all right, bear with me. Maybe this is why I've been nervous the first part of the set, because I knew I was going to do this song, and I haven't done it in about 12 years. But here we go. Woo, this is for you, Mom.
Happy birthday, Mom. <laughs> and we thought I forgot Pachelbel after all these years. No, I, I remember it just for you. Even with the mistakes I made in high school. Woo! Yeah, exactly. My mom was commenting that I really should have taken up a smaller instrument. I personally agree. We used to tease my sister because she plays the bassoon. And we thought nothing could beat the bassoon except the tuba which my brother played. But no, I got a keyboard. <laughs> we changed all of that now, didn't we? Um, this next song is brand new. So this will be first time out in the precious it's 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 a it's a virgin song it's called wonderland no there it is this is all very new for me this whole adjustment thing keyboard you know i got it <laughs>
This next one, it's, it's called Call the Wild, <laughs> in a new way, in an old way. And so Aaron, <clears throat> since you're always talking about this, I hope to gosh, you'll be singing wild with me. <laughs> the book! You know exactly, Woman Who Runs With the Wolves? Oh my God, I haven't even like finished the half of the wine of the first of them. <laughs> Who's driving me home? No, she's not. <laughs> okay. I've got all sorts of rides home. You know, it makes me wonder what all these. Yes. Um, gosh, this is. What? 
anybody who knows me, Aaron, Chris, this is gonna like, woo pretty soon. I mean, like, it's hard enough to do this sober, okay? <laughs> oh, my 21st was hardly anything but good. <laughs> That I would agree with. <laughs> yeah, I remembered every part of it. <laughs> oh, it was because my seat, it was crooked, you know?
wanted to try that new one I was playing that yeah that salsa Woo! I could try something new but this is gonna be it's totally new but I saw some people dancing and it would it would definitely be dancing I don't know I don't know if my arms are up for it we could try it are you guys ready for something new that's not finished okay but boy I don't know we're gonna try this but it's just um, we're gonna get this That's why we're learning.
We've got Aaron Flack who's volunteered. Oh my God. Right there, baby. Is he in the set? You do it, Tambourine. And this also means, this also means that we got Oh Lord coming up. Woohoo! Okay, okay, okay. Let me just stretch. Whoa. Okay. You got the drums? You got the tams? I, I got the keys. Okay, here we go. You want to give me one? All right, I'll, I'll take, how about I take one? And you go for the turn. Go for the sip of the wine. We got co cooperation, collaboration.
by me a Mercedes Benz. Oh Lord, why'd you buy me a color TV? Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three. Kalamazooian. Okay, that's good because then I feel more comfortable, you know, fucking up. Oh, wait, I meant making mistakes. <laughs> Did I mom say and that? Mom and dad oh, here, remember? Oh, oh. But my mom and dad are from Brooklyn. Oh. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> mom, you don't know what that word means, do you? <laughs> um, my gosh, I'm just having so much fun. I, I lost track of what I was doing. Uh, or that's that's ADD, that's right. Oh, God. They told me about that. I had to watch out for it. You want to do Call the Wild again now that you're up here? Okay, we're going to do a new one. <coughs> and this is be the very first time I've done it without the band, and I'm a little insecure. You know, the thing is, I used to play solo all the time. Then I start like playing with like musicians, and now when I play alone, it feels weird. But... But I'm not alone anymore. I have family up here. I have women. And I have a sound guy who's a smart ass. And in between the three of them, it's right at home. <laughs> so this one's a new one. It's called Fire. For all you fire signs out there, Sagittarians, Aries, and Leos, it's all for you. But I'm going to need this back. <laughs> I have a home 
inside your heart, upon your hands.
This one actually is a solo. <laughs> um, and this will pretty much like close it. Yeah, I think so. This is the last one. This is also, well, this is still a new one. Um, it's called Time. And uh, somebody asked me earlier if I what I write about stories. And considering that it's a poetry night, I think you could all appreciate that um, Andrew and Rich, do we have people out there that recognize Andrew and Rich? Oh my goodness, we have poets out there that don't know who Andrew and Rich is. Andrea and Rich? Andrea and Rich! Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Erin Fleck, I know you do, because we had her in, in, in our poetry class. But this is based off her poem, Diving into the Wreck. There you go. This is based off that. Talking about stories, this is a story based off that. intimacy that I shared with you but then our voice became theirs and their opinions became ours so when I tried to sing I just find myself just sensory
You're sore, aren't you? Now, look, get this straight. I don't care. I know, I know. You don't give a hoop what I do, but when I do it, you get sore. After all, you told me to, you know. I told you. You said go ahead, didn't you? Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I guess I did. You were pretty good at it, too. Would you rather I wouldn't? Wouldn't what? Do things like that. Why ask me? I'd like to know. Well, of all the screwy... All right, all right. I won't do it anymore. 